The act of choosing, the stories we tell versus the stories we leave out, will reverberate across the rest of your life. Lin-Manuel Miranda You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots, I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee S's. We've spent all month talking about the different forms of writing, the different things that you can write for. For our bonus episode, we wanted to talk about cross-platforming, being an author for multiple different outlets. The author of the quote at the beginning, Lin-Manuel Miranda, is a good example of this, somebody who has written both for the stage, for music, for movies. He has a wide base of the kinds of things that he writes. As we mentioned in our actor monologues episode, there is a lot of room for travel between these different mediums that we've covered this month. You can write a journalistic style narrative within a novel or on the stage. You can write across several different things at once. For example, in my last book that I published, Katie Ratio, I wrote several online news articles. So that's a combination of both the journalism and the internet blogging written in a novel form. Sherlock Holmes is another good example of the use of the blogging internet style of storytelling of here's just a moment, here's a thing of my experience, take it or leave it, that is very signature of the blogging internet taking place in a novel format. One of my favorite examples is The Princess Bride. You have a story within a story, and that is the novel that was written, that the grandpa is reading. Yes, you have the screenplay, but you also have the novel inside of it. And on the screen, you have a lot of different examples of news outlets and characters turning on the TV that conveniently tells exactly the story that they're talking about. You have journalism and reporters as Rita Skeeter in Harry Potter and Fantasy. You have that one terrible Daily Bugle character from all of the different Spider-Man movies. They have the same actor playing in all the different multiverses. And for the stage, you actually see a fair amount of stage-type stuff in YA novels. One of the examples I came across was called Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mendel. It's a post-apocalyptic YA story about a traveling Shakespearean troupe of actors. My mind goes to The Name of the Wind, where the main character started in a troupe of performers, and his parents were actors. Even commercials have made their way into a lot of different kinds of storytelling, especially in a comedic fashion. In Supernatural, they have an episode where they're hopping between different TV shows, and in that, they're suddenly being forced to do commercials for various fake products. And one of the things that I've seen most recently that cracks me up is the TV show The Boys. The superhero antagonist-type characters, but they are superheroes, are highly commercialized within the story of The Boys. So... People are actually hiring those actors to play their characters to promote outside of TV show products. 
I don't remember what the product was, but one of the characters who's associated with water, kind of an Aquaman type character, stands up, hands on his hips and pops a can of whatever this common water that I could buy at the grocery store and goes, it's great, as the character, The Deep. Comics are a great example of cross-platforming because you have web comics, people creating comics for a blogging style that are comics. And then they sometimes will release them into full books, into a traditional comic book. You also see a lot of stories go from video game to movie or TV show. You think about Assassin's Creed or lately Arcane is a League of Legends animated TV show. Even the Wayback movie and then the more recent remake of Tron is based on getting stuck inside of a video game. Wreck-It Ralph, same kind of thing. If you know how to write video game narratives and stories for video games, you can then write movies like Wreck-It Ralph or books like Toxic. And of course, the last example was from our last episode, Actor Monologues. Monologues can be in multiple different forms. You can have them in their own narrative story like solos on Amazon or in Shakespeare where you have Hamlet stepping aside and doing his whole monologue to be or not to be. Or the cliche monologue from a villain taking his time while the hero is locked up to explain his grand plan. I recently watched Age of Ultron again. And I really liked how they treat the villain monologue right at the beginning of that. All of the Avengers are coordinating to raid this one castle-type fortress. And we get a glimpse inside. And the villain is going, yes, we know they're coming, but we're stronger, we're better arms, blah, 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 no surrender. And everyone cheers back, no surrender. And then he turns around to his second-in-command and says, I'm going to go surrender. That is taking a beautiful villain monologue and turning it on its head, and it made me giggle so much. So if you haven't been able to tell from all of the examples that we've shown... We're nerds. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) The definition of the cross-platforming is a facet of the story that is a different type of writing. So a news article within a novel or a comic book inside a movie. Sometimes they will combine the whole thing where it's a comic book and a TV show at the same time, but more often than not, especially you as a novelist, will be using these other kinds of skills you've developed this month within your story in some regard. There's that story within a story trope that makes your narrative come across in a very unique and interesting way. Knowing these different ways, if you're going to include it within your book, will help you format more fluidly. When I had in Kitty Ratio those newspaper articles from online, I intentionally formatted them differently so that when you read them, you know it's different. And I formatted them like I would have a news article that I wrote when I was a journalist. Now, some of the formatting that you would look into and you would learn when studying each of these would not travel over to a novel or some other visual text. 
if you look at a script or an audition monologue, these kinds of things uh, for stage or screen, it will often only be on one side of the page. The other side of the page is camera direction, lighting changes, something happening in the background, the stuff that the characters aren't saying. You are not going to format sides, which is what that type of format is called. You're not going to format sides within your novel. You'll just use the rhythm and the speech that you've learned for those monologues or that screenwriting and apply it to your novel. A good example of this is a book that I read recently. I think it's called Spoiler Alert. It's a romance novel. I'm trying to read more different kinds of books. This one was actually really nerdy, so I liked it. (laughs) But it had little clips from scenes in the TV show that one of the characters was a main actor in. And she formatted it mostly like a script. But because it's still a novel... It's not entirely like a script. So it's a really good example of that. You don't have script sides because the person reading doesn't need to know what the camera is doing or what the background people are doing. What they're interested in is the dialogue and the actor's movements within this. So she formatted it to focus on that one side. One of the things that I noticed when putting this list together as far as all of these different examples, is there are a lot of trends as far as which ones start and which ones end. So a lot more things will start as books or comics or blogging, that kind of thing, and will end in the movies or stage or games. Witcher started off as books and then became games and then became film. Sometimes you'll have games be both on the upstream and downstream like League of Legends was a game that eventually fed the arcane TV series. But this is the most common trend. Books are made into movies. Movies are rarely made into books that are actually good. I remember reading right after episode one of Star Wars came out. I remember reading the book and it was basically verbatim to the movie. It was very weird. It almost didn't feel like a book. The one that I have to say I really enjoyed was the Shakespearean Star Wars episodes four through six. I have those and it's amazing because it's the Shakespearean take on the original trilogy. That sounds amazing. And they're beautiful. When we talk about different kinds of audiences for these cross-platforming ones, you're basically going to stay in whatever your ending medium is. So your novel, if you're writing a sci-fi novel that includes journalism, your audience is still going to be sci-fi novel audience. If you're writing something a little more niche, say like my Gamer Files books, Toxic Katie Ratio, my target audience was based on the fact that my main character was a video gamer. So the game that I built within the book was intended for my audience. I feel like it's also fairly common for older generations who are fans of a thing to then change it to a different platform in order to reach younger generations in whatever that the younger generations are doing. In the case of Tron, it was older people making a movie for young ones about a game in order to bridge that generation gap. 
The first advantage of cross-platforming is, of course, you don't have to choose. If you want to explore both stage writing and journalism, you can write a stage play that involves journalism. It's also incredibly useful to bring this tool out of the toolbox if there's an established audience already. Firefly already has an established audience. So if I make Firefly the game with the narrative that is similar to the characters that you already know, then there's already an audience who will just see that font and go, yes, I will purchase that. This is actually a really good example because Firefly, after the TV show was tragically ended way before its time, it became a comic book series. And then somebody made a tabletop game for it. And then somebody made a board game and a card game. And it also became a movie instead of just a TV series. So that's a really good example of one thing becoming multiple forms of writing. As we mentioned earlier, it's very rare that somebody will only consume this medium and nothing else. This cross-platforming ends up being a way to squeeze a little more money out of your audience, to be frank. I mean, you just have to look at my bookshelves to know that I'm a huge Firefly fan and I will get anything Firefly. Nerd. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another advantage of this is that you can take something that was seen as a little old, maybe a little bit antiquated, and make it cool again. I want to say Lord of the Rings, the movie series, really did this for the books. Very few people were reading the Lord of the Rings aside from your super nerds. All of a sudden, the movies brought in an entirely new generation of people who just loved that storytelling and decided, let me read these books. Let me get into this world. And it created this huge fandom. I feel like Hamilton also kind of did that. It's not as much of a cross-platforming thing as maybe you can say journalism to stage a little bit, but it brought back something that very few people otherwise would care about. The American Revolutionary War, we don't know anybody who has memories of it. It's ancient history in most of the Americas. So making a musical about it where the characters are rapping at each other upgraded it to the next generation. Another advantage is that it can increase or even double your reach because somebody who may not be into comic books but really likes this TV show might pick up those comic books. They might pick up that book because they really like the video game that it's based on. I can tell you that if ever I see somebody commenting online or even talking to them in person, they go, my grandson loves video games and I can't get him to put down video games in order to read a book. The solution is give him a book about video games. <laughs> I often bring out Toxic and go, here, see if this is something that they would like. Because your main character is a gamer, they can relate to that. They can enjoy it. And like we already mentioned, the marketing and the money making is very useful. If you are able to write for something that has an established name and you're just writing a card game for Marvel, suddenly you have an easy money making opportunity so long as you can get the rights and approval from Marvel to do it. I'm going to put a little star on this one because I feel like this is about to end. Because so many people are annoyed with Hollywood rebooting and revamping and not coming up with original stories. 
that I feel like the tides are about to turn. I might be three or four years ahead, but I don't think this is going to last a whole lot longer in the traveling to film realm, but traveling from film to other mediums, I feel like we'll still continue a little bit. Along with trending issues, there are several disadvantages to cross-platforming. And that is the desire to reboot and reboot and reboot. There's so many people who want a Firefly reboot. But at the same time, I absolutely don't want a Firefly reboot because it's precious and it was perfect as it was. So maybe a continuation of the story. If you want more about that, I kind of hinted at it in Toxic with Waterfall, the opposite of Firefly. (laughs) It can also be a disadvantage to try to broaden your target audience too much. If you're cross-platforming just to reach more people, it's not going to be as effective as cross-platforming to narrow down your target audience, such as my use of games in my books. It narrows down my audience to people who will actually really like that book. And on the other side of that coin, if you're cross-platforming, you need to make sure they fit in both the this platform and this platform bubble. So you're narrowing down your audience, possibly a little too niche. It can be very easy to make it hyper-specific of, I want my target audience to be people who like to read Lord of the Rings fan fiction and Twilight fan fiction in a steampunk setting. I don't know what that would look like. Please don't hold that against me. The first thing that popped into my head was something by Cassandra Clare. Any of her books sounds like that might fit in there, especially the Infernal Devices series, maybe. Don't make me read it. (laughs) It's okay. I haven't read those ones. Just think of it as a Venn diagram. That's kind of what you're doing. So you still want a good amount of overlap within that Venn diagram to have a strong enough audience for it to work, for it to be successful but you don't want it to be too much of an overlap or you don't want to have a circle that encompasses everything because then you get lost in the weeds of everybody else who has that same giant circle around everything. Like the the boys commercial I was mentioning earlier, you have to kind of follow at least the TV show, probably some also the comics, in order for this commercial to sell you on this water soda thing that they're trying to sell you on. That commercial will land flat if it goes to my grandmother. It doesn't mean anything because the voice is not something she's going to watch. Another problem with this is if you are going for, like what we talked about, the established brands, you are kind of forced to ride on the coattails of someone else's success. If you want to take a popular movie and make it something else, there's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through to get the legal right to do that. And you're still relying on that name, that success in order for you to get anywhere. And I feel like my creative itch isn't scratched when I'm writing based off of someone else's success. We talked about a year ago about fan fiction and how it's a difficult one to pull off well. In my opinion, I don't like it very much because I have other stories I want to create. I can't do this kind of mass marketing that the huge marketing machines are able to do with my own story. 
if I want to actually make money doing something like this, it's a much larger venture that's hard to do without an established audience already. Let's look at the favored genres. Having cross-platforming, taking one thing and turning it to something else is especially common with satires, like The Boys, taking a comic book and what's common among comic books and making it into a movie or a TV series, turning it into a satire is very successful. A lot of that's because once you start creating something like this, it's already popular. So by the time it actually makes it out to market, there's a chance it would be at the end of the genre cycle. So a lot of the cards against Marvel characters, cards against Harry Potter, cards against Supernatural, they're making fun of an established target audience because they can't get in on it initially. It's also really common to do this with old sci-fi and fantasy stories, taking something that existed and redoing it, reshaping it into something new. Lord of the Rings took this old book that the director really, really liked and turned it into a fantastic movie series that an entirely new generation of people could enjoy without having to read an entire chapter about a tree. I also think Game of Thrones is a great example of this, where when it was initially written, it wasn't possible to depict a thousand foot wall of ice. That just wasn't going to happen. At best, you can get maybe a hundred feet. Now that we have CG, we can do so much more in the film that taking these old books and making them into something that comes closer to meeting our imagination in these stories as we read them. And just think about Star Wars. Say what you will about the prequel trilogy or the sequel trilogy. The updated technology allowed them to do so much more in taking George Lucas's initial ideas and making them come to full fruition. As much as I prefer the scripting of the original three, I really much prefer the lightsaber fights in the later movies. So much better. And... I remember when the new trilogy came out and Kylo Ren's lightsaber was out there and you could see the flame twisting. And I read an article that said that's initially what George Lucas wanted. But due to the technology available to him in the late 70s and early 80s, he couldn't make that effect. So with the new advancements in technology of CGI, where you're able to get incredibly detailed... Star Wars was suddenly able to take his initial mental imagery and create it and make it something that the rest of us could finally see. One of the things we mentioned at the beginning of this series is it's possible the story you have in your head doesn't belong in a novel. It's possible that story is actually a video game story, is actually best formatted in a news article series collection, is best for the screen or the stage. This next section that we're going to talk about is kind of an interactive part for you. If you're in your car, go ahead and feel free to answer out loud. We will be asking a series of questions that will help you diagnose what type of medium your story might fit best in. So to start off, ask yourself, does my story have lots of points of view or a single point of view? If your story needs several different points of view in order to be fulfilled, 
you're probably going to avoid things like actor monologues, journalism, and video games because you have that main character and everything that the player experiences is from that character's point of view. But you will want to look at something maybe like the screen or the stage or traditional novels. Another question to ask yourself is, how many locations are there? Are there more than three or so locations in your story? If that's the case, absolutely eliminate the stage, eliminate actor monologues. Those will not work in three or more locations. And you'll probably want to eliminate commercials as well, depending on budget. Sometimes, because of the brevity necessary for the internet, you can probably knock that one out unless you're doing a serial, as well as journalism. There will be times where your news article will go from place to place to place, but for the most part, having spent a fair amount of time around reporters, they would start their day with a question, go out, find the answer. And they, as soon as they had the answer, they would come back and report on it. That's often a single location, maybe a second location if it's a debate type format for the story. But if you have several different locations, journalism might not be the best method for you, again, unless you're doing that serial. The next question you need to ask is whether or not you need an unlimited cast. If you do, that excludes theater, commercials, and actor monologues. This is often for types of stories where you have one character who pops up and then we never talk to them again, or the types of stories where your character is in front of a roaring crowd that you can't substitute the audience in like a stage for, or you need to make sure Brad Pitt is the person who plays this character, whatever it is. Take a look at your cast and see if you're more likely to have that on the stage or the screen. That's going to be one of your major differences between those two. It's really easy to have a lot of cast members in something like a video game or even a board game or in comic books. You can have all of those things because it doesn't rely on someone being there and getting paid for it. Like we mentioned in the stage writing episode, You cannot have the armies of Mordor on stage. It just doesn't read well. (laughs) Another thing to ask yourself is if you're doing an incredibly broad target audience or an incredibly narrow target audience. If your content is meant to be read by pretty much everyone or you don't know who your target audience is, then that's going to be things more like journalism, commercials, these types of things that everyone is going to be looking at. If it is broad, you're going to exclude actor monologues because again, like we talked about in that episode, it's specifically for actors. It's also going to exclude theater and comic books because those are very specific kinds of people who consume those mediums. The next question is, does your story have a call to action? That means Does your story want the person to act on something? If so, you're most likely writing a commercial because it is calling them to action to do something, to buy something, to engage in something. Or a game. You're telling the character, the player, to go do something. Hey, I need you to go pick up this bundle of garlic for me. And you will also sometimes see that in journalism, especially your local stuff, 
of, hey, the chili cook-off is next week. Make sure you come. That make sure you come is your call to action. Another question to ask yourself is, is this story something I would want to consume with my friends? If this story is erotica, it's not likely to be something that's going to be on the stage that I'm going to bring my grandmother to. If it's something that you want people to consume as a group, you're going to want it to be a screenplay or commercials or games that are interactive where people are working together or watching it together. Even books can fall into this category because you have things like buddy reads or people will talk about it with their friends. Another kind of sub-question underneath this one is, would it take as long for me to read as it would for Lee to read? Or would it take as long for me to consume as it would for you? If we're all consuming it at the same rate, then it would be something like screen or stage or perhaps journalism. If I'm consuming it at a different rate than you, and that's part of the design, then that might edge closer to video games or perhaps comic books, maybe web stuff. The next question is, is it episodic as opposed to climactic in structure? If it's episodic, you are likely going to be writing for the internet or monologues or commercials, something that you are just consuming it in short, small bites, and they don't need to have consumed the rest of it. A lot of this has to do with the order that it's consumed in. It doesn't really make that much of a difference if I watch this heating and air commercial before I watch this heating and air commercial. But if I'm reading this book before I'm reading that book, it can change how I perceive the characters, how I perceive this story. So think about your story. Doesn't matter if they read book one, if they understand and consumed the first story. And the final question, are you setting out to educate or entertain? If it's education, you're looking at commercials, PSAs, journalism, internet writing. Those things that people seek out in order to be enlightened in some way. If you're looking more toward entertainment, you're going to go definitely down the game route and perhaps the stage and screen Stage more than screen. Sometimes you can get educational IMAX documentaries, that kind of stuff. But for the most part, when you think of going to the movies, you aren't thinking of learning something while you're there. If you're looking to practice your writing, if you're looking for maybe a prompt for your writing, consider simply changing the medium that your story is told in. So you already have this idea. You're working on a novel. How would that look as a stage play? How would it look as a video game? What would have to change? When I wrote the first book, Whispers, in my Legends series, I remember as I was editing it thinking this would be like a really interesting video game because there are three main characters and they each have their own independent plot, but they have their skill sets that they need to use in order to meet at the end to accomplish the goal. So it would be interesting for you to play the warrior huntress and for me to play the secret assassin character. And we'd interact with each other sometimes and then not, and then come back for the final conflict. 
if you're struggling against your story, often there's an issue with the story. That's why you're struggling. Sometimes you can't make this character do a thing. That's because it's out of character for them to do that. The same can be true of your entire book, your entire story. If it's just not working as a novel, maybe put it as a stage play. Maybe write it in exclusively journalistic newspaper clippings. Maybe that's how the story needs to be told. This can be helpful for overcoming that writer's block. It can be helpful for developing your skills. We encourage you to try writing every single one of these formats at least once, sometime in your lifetime if you can, because it will only help your writing get better. So tell me, which of these that we've done so far have you done and which have you still yet to do? I have written for, obviously, journalism, blogging, podcasting, commercials. I kind of can say I've done actor monologues, sort of. Did you write your own? No, not really. More flash fiction. So I will say I have not done actor monologues. I haven't done comic books. And I haven't done any screen or stage play writing or video game writing. My somewhere in between is the games because I've built mechanics for games before, but not necessarily a story for. So I'm going to say no on that one, but I'm almost there. That's kind of like being the designer of the D&D Player's Handbook versus the person who's written this campaign. I'm kind of there as well with the game that I built for my book series. I haven't developed the full like story behind it, but I have kind of created a world for it within the world of my book. Blogging and podcasting, yes, I've done. Screen, I have not a feature length. I've dabbled in stuff, but mostly I've done stage for that. I have done a little bit of screenwriting in college. Oh, cool. Commercials, done lots of. Journalism, done lots of. Comic books, I can't draw, so it's really never come across. But now that we've covered what it's like to be a storyteller through comic books, maybe I'll give it a shot. Actor monologues, I want to do more of. That's probably going to be my next silly side project. But we're about half and half. Yeah, just about. It's always good to work on something else because it will only help you get better. Learning how to write for a different medium in a different way will make your skills more varied so that if you do write a book that requires you to write a newspaper article, you know how to write it correctly. I can't tell you how many books I have read with a newspaper article in it that is just the worst. The journalism side in you is battling with the novel side in you. (laughs) All that to say, figure out who you are and what your story is trying to tell. Figure out the type of writing that your story demands, the type of platform that people are going to experience it through, and then write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. <laughs>